Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it. Finds one. There's your game winner. On the move, on the way. Tucker will score. Sean Tucker with a touchdown. Gillen. Got it. Derek, you win. Are you serious? Five down. One to go. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com with episode 77 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online, Hoffman Sausage Company, and Purple Banana. We have a great episode for you this time around. Josh Crawford is going solo for the rest of this episode as he goes one-on-one with On 3's Tom Deanhart, who covers Purdue for On 3, to get a closer look at the Syracuse Week 3 matchup from the opponent's perspective. I will turn it over to Josh as he and Tom will discuss the matchup, including what Syracuse fans need to know about the Purdue Boilermakers. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Speaking here with uh, with Tom Deanhart from On3 Purdue Football uh, Beat Reporter. Sir, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Ready for Saturday. Yes, sir, most definitely. Y'all um, y'all are coming in one-on-one off of, like I said, a pretty impressive win off of versus Virginia Tech after you know, a pretty disappointing uh, week one loss versus Fresno State. Um, we're just uh, coming in one-on-one. What are the season expectations that you have for this, this team in general? I think most people felt if Purdue could go 500, 6 and 6, just get to a bowl game, it would be a successful season. There, there's just been so much transition at Purdue with the new coaching staff. They brought in 19 portal transfers and about 25 freshmen. So about a third of the roster is new. So, and then you, in fact, on top of all that, the schedule that's very tough in Ohio State, Michigan, you know, Iowa, among others, and a pretty challenging non conference schedule. So, you know, all that together, I think people uh, would be happy if this if we just get to a bowl game this season. Okay, pretty pretty similar expectations on the, on the Syracuse side as well. Let me ask you about that that uh that Fresno State game. Obviously, a thing to where they were pass, throwing the ball around a little bit with Mikey Keene. Um, even listening to your podcast, you kind of emphasized that the strength of this Purdue defense is going to be that run defense versus uh, that secondary. Do you see that Week One loss as like an aberration with Ryan Walters' first game and like you said, all the new transfers, a lot of new movement, or do you see some um some deeper concerns to be had from that from that game? Well, I think, yeah, Fresno State's a pretty good team, I think. I mean, Purdue would elect to have won, obviously. I couldn't get a stop at the end, but Mikey Keene's a pretty good quarterback. And, um, yeah, I think there again, um, first time out with all that new personnel, I think that was a factor there, there too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, you, you got to credit Fresno State, too. Um, uh, they may be the better program right now. They, they got a heck of a head coach, Jeff Tedford. 
61-year-old guy who's been around the block. He's the veteran staff overall. So um, we thought it was going to come down in the fourth quarter, and it did. Fresno found a, state, a way to make the play. So in some ways, I was talking to Ryan Walters about this. You don't want to lose a game, but when you lose a game, you keep everybody's focus, and uh, you find out what you're not good at. And uh, now is the time to figure out what your deficiencies are. So maybe in hindsight, as, as the season goes on, Purdue will look back on that loss with, with a different perspective, knowing it may, maybe cause them to really look at themselves closely and figure out what they need to get better at and what their identity is. Mm. You talk like you, you spoke about uh, Ryan Walters and you coming in, coming in, uh, coming into this program from uh, from not Missouri from Illinois being like a, a Royal Awards assistant finalist. What are the ways that he's uh, kind of put his fin- his footprints and his handprints on this uh, this program already, and especially on the defensive side with that being his um, his mo? He's got a very unique defense that he had a he had a big hand in developing back when he was the coordinator at Missouri. Uh, they call it a five-man front. You've got two outside linebackers on both edges, a buck and a fox. The buck's in the boundary, the fox is in the field. Then you got two big tackles. They got a big nose guard. They want to try to get all five guys on the offensive line covered up. Typically, they only play one linebacker. Uh, and then they've got, basically, then after that, five defensive backs. Uh, if they need to go a little heavier, they can bring in a second linebacker and take out one of their, <coughs> take out one of their safeties. And uh, very aggressive. They want to get upfield. So, uh, you know, like I said, they, I think we saw the best of it last weekend when they, when they got nine tackles for losses and about three sacks. Um, one thing this defense wants to do, too, if they, they don't want to get beat with by the run. And teams are going to get some passing yards on them, but they want to try to keep things in front of them and make offenses try to execute 10 or 12 play drives if they're going to score. So they've done a good job trying to mute the run this year and generating turnovers. So it's, it's going to be a fun defense to watch uh, continue to develop here. No, even like talking about that, that three-man front with the two walk-up linebackers, uh, watching a, a little bit of tape of both games, that was the thing that stood out to me. One, another thing that, uh, that really popped uh, me being a former uh, division, uh, me being a former uh, FCS football player, the size of those edge rushers. Uh, Kendra Jenkins yeah. uh, listed at 280. Uh, Nick Scranton listed at, yeah, at two, uh, 280. Nick, Kendra Jenkins listed at 265. Those are, those are not your typical bendy, super thin guy that can provide speed off the edge, but it's seen that like both of them are able to create uh you know create pass rush wins with their power with their hand usage how different is that is that dynamic with you know having two um d tackle size edge rushers yeah those outside linebackers are the strength of the defense uh nick scorton number five and kyden jenkins number four they're off to a great start and they can really get up the field a scorton may be a future pro i think he's just a true sophomore and he was elected team captain what they did on the inside, too, is they brought in uh, three transfers from the SEC, and two of them are starting this year. One's Malik Langham from Vanderbilt. The other's Isaiah Nichols from Arkansas. And they've really injected a lot of size on the interior. And on the roster, they already had a kid from Penn State named Cole Provard, who's their nose tackle. He's, he's alone on, on the interior, too. So they're hard to move out of there. The Virginia Tech coach, Graham Pry, talked about that after the game. And those outside linebackers get upfield and get pressure. And uh, that, that's where it all starts. That's the strength of the defense. Again, the outside linebackers, 
in the front overall. The back end, they're a little vulnerable, not a lot of depth at quarterback. They're starting two quarterbacks who are portal transfers. Kid from Ole Miss and the kid from Penn State, they're playing a lot of snaps. They're playing pretty good ball, but one of those guys gets hurt. Boy, depth falls off real quick for Purdue. Want to eat healthy like Syracuse football players? Then you want Purple Banana. Located on Marshall Street next to Varsity Pizza, Purple Banana is known for its acai bowls, but offers many more bases than just acai with over 25 toppings to choose from. They also offer smoothies, cold-pressed juices, oatmeal, and salad. Everything is made from fresh ingredients daily and is colorful, healthy, and delicious. The vast majority of the shop is gluten-free, vegan, and dairy-free with options for all health-specific needs. Purple Banana is your go-to shop for healthy, delicious options that will have you feeling like a Syracuse Orange athlete. Visit purplebanana315.com or purplebanana315 on Instagram for more. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of going talking about y'all defensive front, offensive line. You can kind of say we're in a similar position with this, with only bringing back one starter and Chris Bleich, and he's been a little bit up and down, especially comparing to uh, what y'all bringing back with uh, Marcus Ebo, uh, Mahan Musa, and uh, getting Herwick that that critical waiver. So with and with the the strength of this front seven being with the strength of this defense being the front seven and our O line still being you know kind of in development and shuffling around guys with injuries, do you think that that's a, a thing that uh, y'all front can take advantage of and kind of, kind of completely wrecked wreck our game plan? Well, we'll see. I guess the, the Syracuse has had some injuries on the offensive line. and uh, but they, They've got some good receivers and a veteran quarterback. You know, I was at that game last year and here at Schrader led them down the field and they scored the winning touchdown seven seconds to go. So, yeah, you know, Purdue's going to do all it can to make life tough on that Syracuse offensive line. Schrader's a bigger quarterback who can run a little bit, though, too, but they can only spread you out and throw it. So that's going to test that Purdue secondary. No. And the best thing Purdue can do is get a pass rush, right? Best pass defense is a good pass rush. And they can do that. Uh, I'm sure they're going to send some blitzes and try to disguise things. Those outside linebackers drop into coverage. They do some zone blitzing. So they'll, they'll do all they can to try to confuse that, that, that Syracuse quarterback, Derek Schroeder. No, yes, sir. Most definitely, like I said, being, like, being, a, being a football player, yeah, the best, the best pass defense is a good pass with not giving that quarterback time to, to, to have to make his reason go through the pocket. Talking about Schrader versus Card, said I, y'all were, I heard you listen, talking, you talking on your podcast, thinking that Schrader was going to be uh, easily over 250, 275. Uh, they're not going to be a, there was never going to be a one to one replacement for Aiden O'Connell and specifically the, the chemistry he had with, Car- with Charlie Jones. But, you know, Hudson Card is a, is a really good portal pickup and a lot of, a lot of colleges would be uh, ecstatic to have a guy like that, his caliber and experience in the in the QB room starting. How do you view him as a like leading this this Purdue offense? Um, do you see him as a guy that can unlock the offense a little bit, stretch the field vertically, or more just a game manager is going to be able to get the ball to guys in space and make them make people miss? He's not a game manager. He's a I think he has potential to be a game changer. Um, started about five games in Texas, and this was a guy Ryan Walters wanted. First thing he did when he became the Purdue head coach was to go to Austin, Texas, and recruit Hudson Card, and they got him. Um, playing air raid based offense and um, quick tempo. And Hudson Card's already shown, <coughs> excuse me, he's already shown a pretty good arm. He can make about every throw. And the thing about him is he's, he's a better athlete than you think. He can really yeah. tuck it and run. Yeah. So uh, he was elected a team captain too, which says something. For a guy who just got here in January to already gain the trust and respect of his teammates to be voted the captain 
says a lot about his personality too. So no turnovers yet for Purdue. So then you, you got to keep that in mind. They're one of two Big Ten teams that's yet to commit a turnover this year. And a lot of that gets back on Hudson Card. So he's checked all the boxes so far and um, has looked pretty good. So the, the Purdue offense, I think, has a chance to be a be pretty uh, pretty solid and, and, and kind of bad this year. No, nah, that, that was the thing that I, like, watching the table, y'all, on the first two games, something that I, just a, a stark contract that I've seen with, you know, having covered this team last year and knowing just some of the up and downs of Gary Schrader, like, you, he having really high highs and towards the back in the last season, him, him having those lows and him, him still struggling with, uh you know, decision-making and accuracy and, you know, that consistency with Jason Beck being his first, um you know, crossover coordinator from one season to the next, I think would approve that. But I would, I would agree with you, Derek, that in terms of just with the expectation that you had week in, week out, I think Carr would be a little bit better. Talking about some yeah. more of these offensive pieces, you see, we got a guy in Devin Maccabee who had a really good season yeah. last year in every other game except um, Syracuse, honestly. And he's he's getting back on track to uh, being uh, you know upper crust uh, Big Ten back. You know, having ninety five yards last last week. Um, with that, like that emphasis in the run game, how do you feel about this offensive line bringing back uh, three starters? And in what ways can <laughs> the, can what ways can they uh, run against this uh, three three five with Rocky Long in a way that they probably couldn't last year? Yeah, we got a lot of respect for Rocky Long and that, that unique three-three-five defense. Syracuse ran it last year, of course, but it's confusing, and the line's going to have to be dialed in. And I'll be honest, the offensive line is not the strength of the Purdue offense. But they got two pretty solid tackles, uh, and the interior has been been okay. That's some injury issues at center. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the front looked better last week. Got a little bit better push, and as much as Hudson Carr is impressed. I really think Devin Mockaby's the key to this offense. We saw it last week. I think the guy to get him in the ball, get him going, <laughs> get, get him going early. Because if he's running good, that opens everything up for this offense. And he's a, he's just a special back. Um, if you stand next to him in street clothes, you wouldn't even know he's a Big Ten football player. I mean, there's no bulging biceps or 19 inch neck. But he just, he, he just has a knack, uh, to, to find creases and seams. And he, he dies hard, I like to say. He runs like every run is his last run. Very tough to tackle. And he also can catch the ball. So number 45, Devin Mockaby. Again, he's as strong as stirs the drink, I think. And the running back room overall is, is a pretty solid one for Purdue. Keep your eye on number three, Tyrone Tracy, who ran back a kickoff against Syracuse. I mean, sorry, against Fresno State for a touchdown. He's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a pretty physical runner, too. No, that's I was that's one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about with Tyrone Tracy making that switch from receiver to running back. Like you said, just have yeah. some have some of that uh, dynamic playability along with him and Deion Burks. What do you think is the most consistent way to get him touches on offense? I know y'all used him as kind of like y'all's goal line back uh, in the Fresno State in the Fresno State game, and you know him returning uh, kicks. What do you think is the optimal I guess touch count for him? And does that come straight out of the backfield throwing the ball? Like okay, what is the most consistent way to get him involved? It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German franks and snappy grillers and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells Hoffman is a proud sponsor of Syracuse University Athletics. You know, probably, probably at least ideally five day touches a game running and catching the ball 
Uh, I still want, want Mock to be, to be my main ball carrier, but um, Tracy provides a little bit of a change of pace, and again, you want to get him involved. He's a little bit more physical, I think, than Devin Mockaby. You mentioned Deion Burks, too. He's probably the biggest playmaking wide receiver. He only caught one pass last week. Virginia Tech was not going to let him get, beat them over the top. I still think he's got to make a better effort getting him the ball. You know, pitch it to him, give him jet sweeps, throw him short passes out of the backfield. They got to get the ball to Deion Burks. He's, he's what they call a freak. Fastest guy on the team, strong, explosive, tough. Again, uh, Burks is the guy that could really, again, be that, that guy who can go the distance. And every time he catches the ball, Purdue's got to do a better job figuring out ways to get him the ball. Because as you know, man, offenses need big plays. If they're going to succeed, you can't always try to count on scoring on 10, 12 play drives. No, definitely so. And one thing that, you know, we both saw last year with, uh, besides Charlie Jones really, you know, taking Gary Williams over the top last last year, um, Payne Durham, specifically in that second half and catching that uh, that go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter, he was kind of that, that, that main threat, um, like in the seams and in the middle of the field, making kind of being that security blanket for uh, Aiden O'Connell. And it seems like uh, Matt Clare has kind of stepped into that role. So, like we were talking about, outside of creating explosive plays with uh, Tracy, and Deion Burks. What are the, uh, we got TJ Sheffield, Abdul, Rahm, Abdul yeah. Rahman Yassin. What is, the, I guess, the most consistent receiving threat that um, that Card would have outside of uh, Burks? And what ways do they want to move the ball down the field? Well, you know, last week it was Mac Clearly, that's your freshman tight end number 86. He's got a really bright future. And um, you know, last week, <coughs> we also saw Jared Miller make a comeback. He's, he's their number one tight end, number 88. He missed all last year with a knee injury. He's a future pro. He's probably the best pro prospect on the team. Again, they got him a few snaps last week. He caught a pass. Maybe we'll see more of, uh, of Garrett Miller Saturday night. He could be a real special guy. And then that security blanket, any quarterback alive. He's more talented than the pain down. Mm. Uh, he's bigger. He's faster. He can block. Uh, so... <laughs> that, that, that's a guy to watch. See if his snap count increases. That tight end room is a real strength. Garrett Miller, mentioned obviously Max Clare as well. Another pretty good tight end who's been hurt is Paul Perferi. But again, they like throwing to those tight ends. And the receivers you talked about, TJ Sheffield, he's steady. And then Bill Lamar, you've seen, he, he's a bigger guy who's more of a possession, uh, possession receiver who made a couple of big catches last week. So it's been a real tight rotation. They really only played about three receivers all year. And it's been those guys, you know, Burke, Sheffield, and Yassine have taken the bulk of the snaps at receiver. Okay. No, I mean, and like I said, I was watching some clips of O.C. Graham Harrell speaking highly of Claire and that, that tight end room in general and talking about leaning on them. But I, I am a little bit surprised to see to hear you say that y'all have a guy that you think would be definitive, definitively more talented than Peyton Durham because then he is on our NFL roster. Yeah. Um, flipping to that defensive side of the ball, like we, we talked, we talked a little bit already about how the secondary isn't the strength of this unit. But one guy that really has uh, stood out, being a, a younger guy, is D- Dylan Thieneman, coming in with a, yeah. having a pick in each game and coming in with sixteen tackles. Uh, is it, was it the thing, like you said, specifically, specifically with um, this having a lot of turnover in that secondary? Talking about bringing in Markavian Brown. Um, besides Cam Allen, you're, y'all are it is, that secondary is in flux. Was it, was this a thing to where you saw in, in fall camp like the the type of impact that he could have, and how important it has he been so far uh, for this Purdue secondary being a true freshman? 
Well, Phenom has been just a revelation. It really started in the spring. He graduated high school early, got to campus, went through spring ball. That's when he really started turning heads. And <laughs> was actually working with the first team late in spring ball. That continued through the summer and into fall camp. So <laughs> he's a special he's a special player. Um, sort of wise beyond his years. Doesn't blow assignments. And uh, sure, pretty sure tacklers, other team tackles each of the first two games, as you mentioned, has an interception each of the first two games. He looks, looks like he's primed to be a freshman All-American and have a heck of a career for the Boilermakers. So, you know, he's the third team in the play at Purdue. He had two older brothers who were safeties. They had to come as walk-ons, but, but uh, Dylan came obviously on scholarship and, and looks like a very special player. So, uh, it's interesting if you watch the defense, watch where he lines up. They had him lined up about 20 yards off the field. That's what they like to do with their deep safety. It almost looks like a prevent defense, but they like their deep safety playing that deep to give him good angles and a real mm-hmm. perspective on, on what's coming at him. So there's no doubt he's a he's been a fun guy to watch his first two games. No, he definitely like, that would be the the perfect word to describe it. Like him him being able to like turn and flip and, and cover guys down the field, I guess that would be the, the next progression that I would like to see him. But him playing with the ball in front of him and like you said, being able to make plays, you know, come down in that run game, that has been a guy that like to see uh safeties and secondary guys uh, stick their head in the box a little bit. I really do appreciate that. Talking about um talk about just dealing in preseason camp and um the way that he evolved. What are some of the things that you saw in, in the spring or in fall camp that have manifested itself? And what's some th- what are some things that you were seeing out there that really haven't come to fruition yet? Um well I mean I, I still think we want a few more big plays from the offense. <laughs> that really hasn't been there. They were the guy who was supposed to be the best receiver got hurt in training camp. He was a transfer from Florida Atlantic. So it'd be interesting if see what this offense looked like had he not gotten hurt. Uh, but, yeah, I think a few more big plays from the offense. And defensively, you know, um, maybe, maybe even more pressure from the front. But, I mean, otherwise, it's it's been so early that um, I think to be one-on-one at this stage, Purdue has to be, uh, you know, content. And they've got three home games in a row, and they've got to make hay here. I always said they got to leave September at least three and two if they want to get to a bowl game because – the last two months, the schedule is pretty tough. So they have Syracuse and they have Wisconsin on a Friday night, and they play Illinois. So this is a big one for Purdue. I think they got to get it. And Syracuse, you know, it can win it. But like I said, there's a game that's probably going to come down in the fourth quarter here. See who can make the play to win it. Nah, that's um, – even looking at y'all's schedules, y'all don't have those, those FCS ramp games like we did. So, especially getting the conference play just a little bit earlier than uh, than we are because we have Army next week. It's definitely a thing to where – yeah, this game is for y'all. Even with this kind of being um, a good litmus test to see how good this team is, yeah, I, I could definitely say it's a little bit more important to y'all. Um, I just want to ask you a little bit about, um, I guess, y'all, this your awareness and this team's awareness of some of these these uh, issue parts. Obviously, Rondé Gaston, him catching the game when he touched down last year, his status being up in the air. I know I would assume would affect um, this def- this defensive game plan. But how do you view uh, this Purdue run, the matchup with this Purdue run defense versus LaQuint Allen replacing Sean Tucker and uh, that secondary? What you said is a little bit in flux uh, with Garrett Strader, you know. Up and down, but one of the most experienced and dynamic uh, QBs in ACC. Um, the um, well, the pre-run defense had its best effort ever last weekend on the road in school history with 11 yards rushing to Virginia Tech. So, 
penalty was showing Tucker. So I imagine, you know, the Purdue's going to commit again to, to stop the run and try to make Garrett Schrader throw the ball. And then when they get him, hopefully in third and long, and dial up the pressure and try to get some negative plays or turnovers. So there's nothing fancy here. There's no magical schemes. It usually gets down to who executes the best. And uh, there's no secrets out there, really. I mean, so we'll see, like I said, on um, Purdue knows what to expect, and they've got a plan. And like I said, they're, they're not going to not going to want to get beat by the runs. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Syracuse can take advantage of that, loosen up that Purdue defense with some passes. Mm. Mr. Tom, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Before we get out of here, obviously we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't predict the game. Um, I like I said, with me coming in, I think that. Having got the one last year, the win last year, um, even though uh, OG status being a little bit up in the air, he's not. He hasn't been completely ruled out, despite you know Babers liking to be um, conveniently leaving stuff out, conveniently uh, ambiguous with that language. Um, what is your game game prediction for this game? I think <laughs> I think we're gonna find a way to win a close game this time. They lost a close one last year up there. I think they'll find a way to, to make a few plays in the fourth quarter. To get out of this thing with uh, with the victory by by less than three points. That'll do it for episode 77 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast. Thanks to On Three's Tom Deanhart for giving us that in depth look at the Purdue Boilermakers, and thank you to our Josh Crawford for setting that up. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.